You guys ready to do this? Welcome to the Cap Space Wins Cups podcast. Cap Space Wins Cubs Podcast, episode 87 on the Area 51 Sports Network. I am your host, Hassan Abed. I am joined alongside, as per usual, my twin brother, Asan Ace Ahmed. Ace, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you? And, of course, by Hussein Hustamus Ahmed. Hus, how's it going? You stepped away to get a sandwich? <laughs> no, Andy, this week, again, two weeks in a row, that guy... That guy's not here to answer for his crimes from last week's episode. <laughs> but we do have another Andy on the show this week. Andy Cole from Sports at 650, producer of the morning show with Halford and Bruff, or as Rick Jolly Wells coined it, Bruff and Ruff. Um, so Andy will join us a little bit later on the interview. We've He's already, got that dog in him. <laughs> we've already recorded that interview with him. So we'll get that to you guys a little bit later on in the show. Hussein's finally sat down. Hussein, we've got Hussein, who's the Musamad, as I mentioned earlier. Who's, how are you doing today, baby? Pretty good, boys. How are you? Good. Broncos good. country. Let's ride. Broncos country. Why does it do that every time? I love that part, though. That's better than the original clip. That, I, I agree with that part, but yes. Russell Wilson and the, uh, the Denver Broncos failed to come into Blumen Field and take down the Seattle Seahawks. Want to know, baby? Want to know? Want to know? Blue yeah. Friday. Yeah, baby. Right? Yeah, but today is no, Saturday. It's Victory Monday. It's Victory Monday, yeah. And it was Victory Tuesday this week because, you know, we won Tuesday also. night. Anyway, Russell Wilson left with his tail between his legs. As a complete failure, as he is. Okay, okay, we're not a football podcast. Well, I am. I hate Russell Wilson podcast. <laughs> and fuck Russell Wilson. And fuck the Broncos. And fuck everybody who doubted my boy Geno Smith. We gotta get Geno Smith on the show. Yeah. Who said he's good with him? Yeah, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he's like... Yeah, yeah. Agent, I ain't fuck. right back. He said I ain't right back. All right? Yeah, Just like, I'm all right? Back, okay? Anyway, I was pretty hyped up about that. So I'm very happy about that. But anyway, like I said, not a football podcast. Uh, before we get started this week's episode... I'd like to thank this week, uh, the title sponsor of this episode, No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey provides high-quality hockey sticks without breaking the bank. No more play, paying $300 plus for a twig. Try out No Name Hockey, offering high-end hockey sticks for the no names out there and the players currently making a name. Use code Area51 for $10 off one item. Uh, and, and that's stackable discount. So if you buy two items, it's $20. Three items, is 30 And so on and so forth. Which I learned last week is not doubling the discount. Not doubling the discount. <laughs> It's complicated stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. Ace, I'm going to ask you the question I ask you every week, and you always yell at me. Is my mic muted? Because I feel like I can't hear myself in my own ears. <laughs> it's not muted. Okay. <laughs> All right. Look at this one. Line one is you. Okay. Look at this. Who's line, line two? Muted? Who's line two? Hussein. Why is he muted? He's eating a sandwich. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Like I mentioned, uh, clearly in order of where we are sitting. All right. I'm still getting used to the new studio. I feel like my mic's a little far away from me. Hold on. Stop. This is great podcast stuff. There we go. Yeah, I'm still going to use the new studio a little bit here, but yes. Uh, yeah, we're here. We're on Saturday again. Back-to-back Saturday weeks, guys. We're You know what? We're Consistency putting, is everything? We're putting in the work, guys. We're putting in the work. Uh, Hussein, you have a funny story about a friend of yours who told you about how negative media is? I'm still muted. <laughs> 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 All right. You don't know what the top video is? Oh, the Whitecaps! 3 nothing. No, they didn't. No, yeah, that one in. They're kicking the goalie's face. No, no, that, just, that one in. That was clearly in the net. I saw it. For those listening, if you want to know, we're watching the live play by play of the Whitecaps here. All right, here's the guy in a green shirt carrying it up the field now. <laughs> Looks like they're trying to score on our huge net. I'm waiting for... Where's MLS headquarters? New York? I have no idea. I'm waiting for New York to stop the game here to tell us that was in. That seems like a foul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Should I, story. should I like name drop you don't have to name drop on the story? You can expose it if you want. Should I name drop like both parts? You should name drop everything on it. You don't have to name drop the person you don't want to. Do you think they listen um, to the podcast? I don't know. Maybe. 
Like, how, what percentage? All right. Anyway, my friend? good friend. I don't know if you're my good friend. My friend? my friend. Yeah, you're, you're right. But since we got that regular recording schedule, I'm I'm expecting you to listen to. Hey, Sky this Run. is it. This is it. Oh no, he actually pulled it off the line. He pulled it off the line. Anyway, we'll have Joshua right on next week to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell my story. It'll be short and sweet. Not like my white cast play by play. <laughs> <laughs> a friend, a friend of mine at school, pretty much told me that negative media, specifically the one and only polarizing for some reason Thomas Drance has converted I'm going to say his name David Quad really because he's not the same as he used to be indicating that I heard this sentence in real life from a real person talking about the Canucks he said man the media in this city is so negative I shit you not someone told me this word for word and then said that David Quad really is not as positive as he used to be what did he say what did he say what the Canucks need to do this season what did he say? The Canucks need to do this. Season? They need to get rid of something. Oh, the Canucks need to get rid of Thomas Drance this season. That's really what's holding them back. That, said? that was the end. Drance, you listen to this podcast. You're no longer welcome because of what you're doing to this team. <laughs> yeah, you, you drove believe- Panarin out of town. Can you guys believe Drance Drance? Oh, Mark? that's in, bro. That's in. Can you guys believe villains Drance? in the Canucks history? Mark Messier, Thomas Drance. Can you guys believe Drance created for Ekman Larson? Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. And then signing Erickson. What are the odds of that happening? <laughs> and then driving Panarin out of town. Oh my god, yeah? It's, a- it's the analytics, man. It's the analytics. They're ruining this team. We gotta live in the moment. You can't measure the intangibles through a computer. Because that had to be a foul, right? The computer okay, boys. Okay, Ace, please, for oh, God's sake. We're not a football podcast. And when he, when he said that, he meant we're not NFL football. Football? But we're all about football podcast. All right, all right, all right. Canucks, Canucks kicked out. Well, I'll use the term Canucks loosely here. Hit the ice in Penticton for the Young Stars tournament. Uh... Obviously, headline. Oh, it was offside. Okay, Ace, please. <laughs> you <laughs> use your own mic, buddy, if you're going to keep talking with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Canucks Young Stars lineup, obviously, headlined by uh, uh, second round. <laughs> by who? Neil Zaman, maybe. Neil Klubovich, I was going to say, obviously. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, second round rapping, Neil Klubovich. Obviously, Klimovich. Obviously, we've got Klimovich there, Linus Carlson, Neil Zaman, RG Baines, Niles. Probably a few, you know, headliners. Obviously, Arthur Stilo's in that. Quarterly's favorite player. And he had a shutout. He's the captain of the team. Have you heard? <laughs> yeah, actually. No. Oh, <laughs> that'd be epic. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I watched a bit of the game. You guys did not, I think. No, we no. thought it started at 7. I'm making conscious effort to not watch a moment of it. We started fighting at work. What's the reason behind that? Uh, I saw Brent Badger tweet out the lines, and I thought he was... Just writing a mumbo jumbo of nonsense, so I, I couldn't bear myself to watch it. I don't think what overrated notion is here when people complain about how shitty the I, okay, I, is. Okay, I agree like, with that too. Yeah, people in this market, how many shows that I listen to? Rink, there's a whole Rink White episode dedicated to <laughs> ripping on how Young Stars tournament and how bad the lineup is. We get it. Donnie and Dolly. Like, we get it. We get the lineup is bad. We haven't, the Canucks uh, traded their last three first round draft picks, or last, traded their last two first round draft picks, and then did the, their first round draft pick this year is obviously not at the tournament because he's in tweeted. And, and you know we've neither I, is like these the, shows, neither is the other Pedersen the, the defense yeah. Uh, yeah Elias Pedersen the defenseman Yoni Yermo European prospects aren't really we've been here. ripping the draft pick, the prospect pool for years with Benning here creating away all these draft picks like what do you expect these guys to be really good and and it's a pro young stars prospect tournament so like you don't gonna have all like you know drafted players you're gonna have some kind of you know nonsense, undrafted, undrafted free, agents. free agents guys to fill out your roster like that bottom lineup every team has that yes I understand Calgary. Or Winnipeg, and they might have a couple first-round draft picks in the lineup. But, like, it, it's the Canucks is... This is such an overrated notion that the Canucks have a terrible Young Stars tournament. It's, it doesn't matter. Okay, when was the last guy who played a Young Stars tournament that you hadn't heard of going in actually made the Canucks because of a good Young Stars that's tournament? so, yeah. Good, like, can you one. think of a guy? Like, like, can you think of a guy on the top of your head that, like, oh, had a good, like... I'm not talking about, like, like Horvat or Vertanen or Pedersen or something like that. Like, not, like, a high-end prospect who came... I mean, like I someone who was a relative unknown came to Young Stars, had a good showing, then went to main camp and you know played well or made the team eventually. Huh? Can you think of a guy? My boy Brendan Gaunt, man. That doesn't count. He was a former first round draft, but Gaunt obviously had expectations. Okay. And did Gaunt even play in the Young Stars tournament? Does no, no, no I think I'm mixing him up with Hunter. Hunter Shinkarik played there, but again, you're right. Another former. He was first really round good pick. in the NHL, right? Hey? Well, your former first round pick. So I mean, that's really you good. can't choose a former first round draft pick. What's no, the I know that's what I'm saying. That's why I, I, I got that. I got that. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, no, you're right. No one has ever. But it was Cole Castles or Dane Fox have a good young start tournament. I think they did. Uh, but Dane they never, Fox, but they never really did anything, right? So. Anyway, so my point was... You know, Antoine Roussel played for the Canucks at the Young Stars tournament? I couldn't believe it. To start his career. Really? Could not believe To start this? his career. 
and then eventually got on with the wherever at Dallas, Dallas or yeah. where he signed. He, but yeah, he started his career. He got invited to the Young Stars camp as an undrafted. Oh creature. my god, really? Yeah. Hey, so you told me this fact off air, and I thought like Edwin Russell signed a four-year contract to the Vancouver Canucks and then played the Vancouver Young Stars to build the roster, and I was like, that is so fucked up. <laughs> so you think? So you think? I thought they were putting on twenty-eight-year-old Edwin Russell. Thirty-eight, yeah, thirty-year-old Edwin Russell is returning player. He's the captain. He's I like, don't know. He's the why? Captain. Why would that happen? That's why I was so. He's the Don't captain me. down in Penticton. We're paying him $4 million just to score. So you think they pay the guy $3 million to send him Penticton to play with him? Maybe just like, you know, get a club. <laughs> show the young guys. Yeah, show the young guys how to throw Do you think that... Is that even allowed? Do you think? What is there's, wrong an age, there's an age limit, right? You age out of the... Like, there, I don't think there's an official age limit because Jet Wu's gone like 15 times. There's no official age yeah, limit. Yeah, and they'll keep going another 15. Okay, Jet Wu. This is actually Jet Wu's first time. Jet Wu will probably be the career uh, leader in case play. No, George Wu ends in the ring of honors. up with the Penticton uh, Young Star <laughs> Tournament. Uh, arena. Well, Penticton. Where did they play? Penticton something community center. There's probably only one. <laughs> He's looking it up. Okay, but uh, yeah, I think George Tuan won a bunch. Just as actually get Wu's first time. I'm mistaken. He's 22, but he's only been to the young. That's this that's will be his first. Weirder. He was injured the first time. He was eligible, like ill to go, and then the 2019 he missed it. Yeah, for some South Okanagan's event center. We should know that one. Come on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now that you say, yeah. Now that you say it, it seems obvious. Again, not much research going into this show. Okay. Anyways, I think we move on from this topic, right? Why? No, did you have anything else to say about the young stars? No, no. Or did you think the 28-year-old Adjord Roussel is going to make an appearance? <laughs> no. He's available. Maybe so. you think we should sign him back for that? <laughs> Could help bolster the team this year? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Niels Oman, he's a winger on this line. Oman? Yeah, it's Niels Oman, buddy. Niles. Really? Yeah. I thought it was Niles. And you're going to correct me? Niles? I was really talking about the last name more. Like, <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought you... it was Oman. It's Nils? I thought it was Oman, too. Like our former producer, Armand? Yeah. Well... He hasn't returned from Mexico yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Okay, all right. Um, we know a lot about prospects, as you can tell. Okay, well, I want to... Hey, get... this is the Canucks caught over. I'm going to spend 45 minutes talking to guys that are going to make the NHL. Well, okay. Shots <laughs> fired. Dude, well, guys favor, who really favor. Come at me, favor. No, hey, come at me. Shots fired across two guys who have come on their podcast, this podcast multiple times, been very nice to us, been helping us. Been yeah, helping yeah, us I, know. I know. I know. Right. Always made time for us. I know. I'm just. I'm just. You, I'm just you, you know, boy, Quadrelli. If, if you were getting after anybody, if you made it about the goalie it, talk in that show, man. No, okay. You're you're goalie, you you like the goalie talk. You, you can say the goalie talk part because Faber literally came onto our show last week and we were just talking about how he doesn't want to hear about the goddamn goalies. So I, I don't really want to hear. What are you looking at on your phone computer? Then? Oh, whoa! Yeah, so is this back to back weeks? We got weird stuff going on back here. All right, we're looking at a lot of weird stuff on Hayes' Twitter. There, oh, there's a picture of quads on your Twitter. Yeah, speaking of Quadrelli. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, quit looking at the phone. I'll move along here. I'm Jim. Does he have it this one? <laughs> no, it's a shadow. He's assured me. It's a shadow. Okay. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, randomly, you know, taking shots at Connex Convo there. Hey, you know, they're also a lot more successful than us. I never said that they weren't. You know, the prospect stocks getting far? Uh, I, that's why I turn it off. All right, buddy. <laughs> okay. Um, obviously, we talked, we got into a bunch of stuff with Andy when we, we had him on the show here. We talked about a little bit about uh, JT Miller. Andy up. Cole, that is? Yes, not not our Andy. Our Andy disappeared to Mexico with producer yeah, Ramon. Yeah. Ramon on our location. Yeah. Um, I know last week we kind of got into the Quinn Hughes going to the right side of the defense, and we, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, where he's going to play, those kind of things. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the forwards uh, th- this week. Yeah. And talk a little bit about some X factors and things like that. But I did want to talk to Ace, actually, because you were, you were grinding. You were at your real job, but you were working for the podcast. Look uh, at Eight Rigs, Scotia Barn, that is, talking about. Don't uh, tell anyone where I work. Okay, I won't tell anyone where you work. Don't but I, I, I just What's you know I, you can't you saw the Canucks practicing and playing a scrimmage. Well, you already gave it away. You might as well say where he works now. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you talked about the, the lines there. Um, what did you? Uh, let's get insider Ace's thoughts on the uh, the scrimmage that yeah, you what saw. You saw what did you thoughts? What did you saw first hand, Ace? I don't want to draw too many conclusions from a summer scrimmage. I want you to draw all the conclusions of the summer scrimmage. Okay. Make that's extreme, what, that's okay. content. Okay, make extreme like that's content. I want you to like give me a sizzling hot take right here. A uh, sizzling hot take. No, just tell me a bunch of stuff you saw. Probably no, hard. I mean, uh, saw Kuzbenko live for the first time. I hadn't seen him at all. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev is very fast, up close and personal. Um, I honestly feel the Kuzmenko's skating concerns are a bit overblown. He did not seem out of place at all. In the, I, I know it's a summer scrimmage, but he didn't. Uh, they had some of the younger guys out there as well, like Jet Wu and Tristan Nielsen. and Some of the, some of the young guys were going to Young Stars. And uh, you could definitely notice the difference between them and the established NHL guys. And I wouldn't say Kuzmenko was like on that level that you'd be worried about his skating. So that was a pretty pretty promising sign to me. The other thing is, we, I, I tweeted out the lines as well that, that they were skating in. 
Um, Peterson was with Peterson and Bessler with, were with Miller. We've seen that line yep. um, last yeah, season I'm quite a bit. Uh, you had Garland with Horvat and Pod Col- Horvat and Pod Colson. You've seen that line a bit as not yeah, as not a, not as con, but you did see so you did see Garland and Pod Colson as yeah. a winger said. Uh, and then you had Kuzmenko with Pedersen and Mikheyev, which looked pretty interesting. Um, Pedersen uh, looked a little bit bigger. He looked like he had the dangles coming on. Um, and uh, Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes on the right side playing with Oliver ekman Larson. So some interesting developments there. Um, I do think we're going to be seeing a lot of Quinn Hughes on the right side, at least to start training camp and uh, at the preseason. Um, Where's Holdander playing? I was not playing with any of the main centers. Okay. Um I did see him there though, but I can't. Probably must have been on the line then with like Lazar. I can't remember. I I didn't watch the whole thing, so impossible. You had to get some shifts with other other players, but I didn't see him playing with uh, either any of the big three. Well, based on what you and I also don't know if Lazar was there because I don't think I could recognize him between him and a hole in the wall. So, oh, he was there. I because the Canucks posted that he was okay. I I wouldn't recognize him. And I saw okay. I wouldn't recognize Chris Favors coming up again. You know, he posted it too. But the bottom line is that's what I saw at, 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 at editings. Yeah, based on the lines that he saw there, if that's any indication of what they could be for you know opening night or when the season starts here, you know none none of us on this podcast got our, got our line combinations right. I was just going back to the. Yeah. Uh, it should be no. There was no. There was no coaching staff there. This is like not an official mm-hmm, yeah. team event. Like it was an organized event by the players. So they're kind of skating whatever lines they feel. I guess. I mean. I'm not exactly sure who made the line, but there was no coaching staff there to indicate that, that someone was actually in charge in okay. charge of drawing okay. up these lines, that, that okay. we should draw any conclusions from these lines as, as in terms of what what uh, what Boudreau was thinking. All right. The people, really, when we did that poll question of who had the best lines, everybody wanted uh, Andy and Hussein's. I think everybody wanted the uh, Kuzmenko with Pedersen. I think everybody liked that. Everybody, for some reason, people really, really wanted to see that one. I, I don't know why. I, I feel like Oh, sorry, you. Yeah, uh, no, uh, I feel like it makes sense to play with Horvat. Me too. That's the Horvat is a shoot first center yeah, who scores no, a lot of goals. Actually, the good Kuzmenko, for all accounts, seems like more of a, a playmaker. So, yeah, it, wouldn't it be good to have a guy like yeah. who can get Horvat the puck? That's and my thinking as well. Patterson can create for himself. Quick correction in there. Andy ran away with his poll with sixty percent of people wanting his line. Ace was second, so with thirty, like roughly thirty percent here. So there's a decent amount of people that also you know had the same line of thinking as Ace there with. Mikheyev on Pedersen's line, to to be fair, but I mean, I don't know. I guess people are worried about Mikheyev in in a, in a top six role in a long term capacity. Want that, yeah, and you know what I'm saying. I don't know if he necessarily checks the boxes like a great like two way guy five on five. So that might be another reason why people aren't you know that inclined to play him with Horvat, especially considering the last couple of years. You know, Horvat's defensive play has you know maybe struggled a little bit. You might want. I mean, as, as stupid as this is going to sound, you know, maybe you want a guy like Tanner Pearson on his line. You know, they're joined at the hip <laughs> the whole year. And, I mean, say what you will about Tanner Pearson. I know he's slightly overpaid, but, you know, he still puts up pretty good two-way results, I would say. I mean, he's definitely defensively sound, so maybe that's why. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there's still lots of time to figure out what the lineup is going to look like uh, going into the season. I think we're going to see a few different combinations of, of those right now. Um, but I mean, there you know a lot of questions still, kind of looking forward to what's what's going on right now. But I just kind of see what the initial thoughts were there. Um, excuse me, going into the season, Ace, you did ask Andy this question as well during the interview. Uh, what's your you know? I, I guess you worded it a little bit differently, but I kind of you know, took it as X factor. Who's your guys' X factor this season going to the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, it doesn't have to be a single player. It could be a group of players. It could be you know a, a thing. It could be a coaching staff. Could be could be anything. What, whatever you think could be uh, an X factor. I mean, I'm, I'm the, the health of the defense. I think one injury in the back end is is uh, could be catastrophic. All right. Um, you were saying, you know, you're saying that today's episode you want to focus a little bit more on the forwards. So I'll give you one of those answers. I'm gonna go with the supporting cast here. Maybe of like, let's go Garland, Pod Colson, and the obviously unknown Kuzmenko. I think a lot of people are relying on you know those three specifically to all be you know good producing top six wingers this year. And you know a lot of people are penciling in that the Canucks have good depth this year. And if you know, those three don't come to produce. You know, there, there are going to be some serious problems with the forward. So, I would say, you know, maybe by committee there, that, that could be the most important X-Factor for the Canucks this season. Okay, okay. Uh, I think I'm going to take an X-Factor who's not much of an X-Factor. It's kind of more uh, pretty obvious. It's, it's Elias Patterson. Yeah, yeah. If Patterson needs to be, uh, you know, the Patterson we saw in the second half of the season all year long. Uh, I don't care uh, if you think Miller was the best player last season. I don't care if you think Demko's, uh, you know, needs to be down Demko. It doesn't matter how good any of those players play. The Canucks are not going to do well and are not going to make the playoffs. If Elias Pettersson is not a point-per-game centerman, 
two-way, do-it-all kind of guy, uh, you know, the alpha male, the big dog, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> on the team, it's time. Um, and it's it's if he can be that consistent player, if he can be the sophomore Pedersen, the rookie season Pedersen we saw, that is that is the player that will will. That is the player that will take this franchise to the levels they want to be, not just this season, but going forward for the you know for the rest of his career. Uh, and hopefully it's all spent in Vancouver if the Canucks want to have a chance at winning the Stanley Cup because that Canucks Stanley Cup chance has hinged on, on, on number 40. Uh, it's a heavy burden to bear. Especially but, in this city. In this city. <laughs> um, but if anybody can do it, it's him. Uh, I, For my money, the most talented player I've ever seen in the Canucks uniform. No. No, not the most talented player. Well, you've Canucks never really watched. You're two year old. You're two year old. Don't say Palaburi. You're not going to say Palaburi. You didn't say Henrik Sedin. When is Henrik Sedin? No. Okay, well, you, uh, whatever. You could be wrong if you want. My That's pure, my I'm just saying relatively okay, by where they are right now, I would say. Okay, you can have Patterson. I'll have Henrik Sedin. You tell me who wins the Stanley Cup. Well, we'll see one day when their careers both end. Henrik Sedin didn't win the Stanley Cup, did he? Okay. Patterson won the Cup. Heart trophy? Anything? Yeah, he's got. He's got it. He's got it until Patterson wins a heart trophy. I guess. But I mean. As obvious as saying Pedersen sounds, you know, there is that huge debate that JT Miller is this team's best forward. And Hayes, I know you love to say this. You know, all the evidence would say, like, honestly disagree. JT Miller was, like, fantastic from the beginning of last season under Travis Green to the very last game of the season under Bruce Boudreau and everything in between. He was played pretty much the same. His play never fell off. I mean, you could argue there was times where he wasn't trying in overtime, but, you know, he was pretty much the identical player. But this team didn't really make its run you know, get within one or two points of the playoffs until, you know, Elias Pedersen woke up and had, I can't remember the point totals, but it was 56 what? 56 and 41 or something. 56 or something, yeah. 53 and 46, whatever it was. This team was not even near stiff from the playoff bar until Pedersen woke up. And I mean, I feel like that's that's the biggest indication. You know, Quinn Hughes was great all season. Thatcher Demko, great all season. JT Miller, great all season. First half of the year, the team couldn't get anything going. And even, you know, they had that seven-game win streak with Bruce, then they kind of started plateauing a bit there you know people were like okay you know i think the bruce bumps over you know nothing really happening petterson obviously didn't really get going off the initial bruce boudreau bump but i don't know what happened to him after the all-star break when he came back then i mean that that's what turned the corner so i mean i don't know 50 games of petterson last year was enough to you know convince you that this is the guy who's gonna lead him to the playoffs next year then i mean that's that's one way to bet on it if you're management nice yeah i, I, would, I would tend to agree with that uh someone else is going to talk i'm gonna take a huge sneeze you no. Well, you, Sorry. You, no. Um, yeah, in terms of... Are you okay? I'm back. Okay. Yes, I'm back. It seemed like you were going to make a point before you started Yeah, I, I did. I was going to. I agree with you saying. I think that... Uh, I would agree with that. Like, that the team didn't really take off till Patterson um, started started playing well. And I, I made that kind of same point um, as well as well on this show before. So I would definitely agree with that. And it's when I said most talented player, like I was saying, when he entered the NHL, was you know a dominant player right away. This team, you know, took a we're little while to ramp up. Right no, we are not, not, right now because you. Uh, what does that mean? Like Patterson has a better shot than Henrik Sedin. You okay. are no, okay. You know what? Whatever. You're just not even gonna listen. I'm not. I'm, I, you're wrong. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay to be wrong sometimes. Even if you're a host of a podcast, <laughs> it doesn't qualify you to be correct or whatever. Especially no. This. There's you're a difference wrong. between saying you know. The best season. Hussein, what did I just say? Ever. We're not litigating this. Yeah, I agree. It's not the best. Just because you had the best season ever does not mean yeah. you were the most I mean, I agree. Henry Sidney had the best season a Canuck connect player has ever had. People who just love sleeping on Sidney's talent, they just think that, oh, it was all hard work and determination and this, and it was an ugly brand of hockey. You know what? You, you're just... Yeah, play style is part of talent. You know, it's not just like, oh, he has good hands. Yeah, I right? love this Sedin defense, though. You know, I, I do I do love this. I'm yeah. not saying that. Okay, I'm not trying to diminish the Sedin's here. I'm just saying. Seems that, like you are. No, he's I'm the not. greatest playmaker I'm of all time. I'm or, just what saying. Wait, can we get. Be, why don't we continue this debate on this side? Because I think the question, stuff we were just talking about before this is, is a good way to get into the Andy Cole interview. Okay, Did you right. talk about a lot of that? Folks? Okay, yeah, okay. Let's get into the Andy Cole interview here. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, we'll have a quick little cut here and then we'll have Andy on the other side join us from uh, Sports on 650 and Albert Bruff. All right, welcome back to the Cast Space Wins Cops podcast. As mentioned on the other side of the break, we are now joined by Andy Cole, a dog from Sports and Six Fifty producer uh, with Halford and Bruff in the mornings. Andy, how's it going today, man? Good. How are you going, guys? Pretty well, pretty well. Thanks for making the time on uh, on a Saturday night here. We really appreciate you uh, taking a, a few minutes to chat with us. Uh, first thing we want to get into asking you. Uh, obviously, you know you uh, you were, used to work at uh, you know the former Funny Station Ten Forty. And, um, the, you know, obviously the, the place was, you know, shut down quite unceremoniously. I don't think we've had you on since uh, before that. Um, you know, what, what are kind of your 
thoughts remember how do you remember that day well, I had the day off. Uh, I remember being woken up to the news, and uh, yeah, it was obviously not the greatest uh, phone call to get, but you know, that's the radio business. It's uh, That's just the way it goes sometimes in this industry. It wasn't the first time I'd lost my job so uh, in radio, so I mean, it, it wasn't... Uh, I was, I'm familiar with the experience already, so, you know, it, it is what it is. I hate to use that cliche Bertuzzi phrase, but it's true. It is what it is, and you sort of deal with it and move on with your life. Yeah, well, um, you know, obviously, you know, you did end up landing on your feet at 6:50 after after a little bit of time off, and uh, you know, now you're uh, back regularly with uh, Halford and Bruff, which I I personally mm-hmm. loved. I was like loved having you uh, produce the show with those guys back at 10:40, especially on the Fridays when the shows got off the rails. So I really enjoyed having you back on there. Uh, what is it, what's it like working with uh, with Halford and Bruff again now now at 6:50? Oh, it's great. I mean, you know, we get along swimmingly, and uh, we are very similar in terms of our broadcast styles and our senses of humor so it always really meshed well so i'm not surprised that it's going well it, it, it's uh, been a lot of fun since i've been back and you know it's uh, people seem to be enjoying it and we're, we're having a lot of fun for sure right on uh is how how much of bruff on the air is he like that in real life with his whole you know kind of <laughs> stickly personality like kind of prickly like gets annoyed with things easily or is that is he kind of played up for the show, like, well, how much of that is like actually bruff, or how much of that is is kind of just you know him kind of poking fun at himself for for the show? Oh, I mean, it it is very genuine. I wouldn't say it's an act by either of the guys. I mean, but I mean, like like myself, we're we're scarred with sports sadness <laughs> from years of uh, living in this city. So it just it definitely rubs off sometimes, and uh, you know. Uh, when things can get a bit prickly, it's uh, definitely understandable based on what we've had to go through as fans in the city the last, uh, you know, 10, 20 years. Yeah, fair enough. Um, sorry, before we move on from the radio talking to get into the Canucks stuff, um, you notice, have you noticed any differences from the show from moving over to 1040 to 650? Or have you guys tried to kind of keep the same same gist of what made Halford and Bruff Halford and Bruff? And um, just and what, do you, what do you guys, like? have you felt any changes or noticed anything different since you guys switched stations? I mean, it's pretty much exactly the same. The format, what we try and go for, the style of humor, uh, the way the show is formatted is more or less identical. I mean, it's one hour shorter. It was a four-hour show at 1040, but it's, it's in a three-hour show at 650. But uh, other than that, it's pretty much identical. The only major difference is we're not allowed, because we're moving into the podcasting realm, and it's like especially, well, all radio, really, but sports radio especially, is really focusing and hitting hard on the podcast front now, mm-hmm. just because that's where so many listeners come from. Like, mm-hmm. so believe it or not, so many more people listen to the show in a podcast form than they actually do live. I mean, we have a, obviously there are a lot of listeners live as well, but the bulk of the listenership these days is coming from the podcast, and it, it's only going to get increases that as time goes on. So, we're definitely aiming it more in, in a podcast format now than we were at ten forty because it was that was it was still kind of they were still kind of feeling things out in terms of how the technology was going to work. But uh, 650 definitely pushes the podcast format hard. And I mean, for a good reason, because that's mm-hmm. just the way the wind's blowing. So, I mean, the main, because of that, the major difference is we're not allowed to play licensed music because right. it's just, yeah, it costs a lot of money for podcasting. Whereas in terrestrial radio, it didn't so much. It was more affordable. So you lose some of the humor there because obviously things like Danger Bay, which obviously mm-hmm. people know me for, unfortunately, <laughs> And and so much of our humor that came from licensed music at the old station, you can't do now because you're not allowed to. Like, for example, at the 1040 show, or the last time I did a Halloween show at 1040, I came back and I played Monster Mash coming back from every break just to annoy Bruff. And I can't do that now. So, I mean, there's stuff like that, which, which you lose, but that's a very minor complaint in the grand scheme of things like it really is uh it's really virtually identical in terms of how the the show is formatted so how do you balance having because you guys are live radio obviously but you have Mm -hmm. you mentioned you have a lot of podcast listeners do you make a conscious effort to kind of say all right we're not gonna try to talk too much about stuff that's gonna be out of date in you know five minutes because a lot of our listeners aren't gonna be listening to this live so some of our news may be out of date or people have already heard it how much of an effort do you guys do to kind of have like evergreen listening for people who can listen to the show anytime or you know it's not gonna be like oh, i'm not gonna listen to that half and rough today because you know uh yeah honest honestly we don't make any yeah. effort i mean it's still we still treat it as a live show even though it is being like like pushed as a podcast and i mean listeners know that i'm sure they know it's still a live show that's being podcasted so they realize you know if they're listening to a morning show late at night Chances are there's some information being given that may have changed from that point on. So I think 
people are pretty much cognizant. Like I don't recall anyone ever emailing or texting in saying, Hey, this is wrong or out of date information uh, because of that before. I mean, listeners, I think are pretty t- mm-hmm. tuned to the idea that it's, you know, still a live show. So that's, right. there's things that are going to come along with that because of it. I mean, you, you have a pretty unique perspective, um, not just about the Canucks, but because of kind of the, you know, the role you have, you know, you're being on live radio with, you know, text message inbox and things like that. I've always been curious kind of about that. You guys, you know, you guys talk about a lot of stuff and I'm sure people are, you know, texting in their thoughts and stuff like that. Like in a three hour show, like, like how many messages do you guys get uh, regarding what you guys are talking about? Like, is it like a pretty crazy amount? Like, I, I can't even, I, I'm down, I don't have like a ballpark. Like, is it uh, how much interaction do you guys get live when you're actually on, on the show? I mean, it really depends on what we're talking about and what's going on that day, but it, I would say anywhere from hundreds to thousands. I mean, it just sort of depends day to day. There's no, like, I couldn't say there's necessarily an average, but, I mean, the, the first hour, the 6 o'clock hour, obviously it's a little slower because people are waking up, getting mm-hmm. ready for work and stuff like that. Um, but then the 7 o'clock hour picks up and the 8 o'clock hour is very, very busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because we're podcasted and, and replayed, you know, we'll get texts into the inbox still later on into the day into the right. evening sometimes as well so i mean it is kind of scattershot that mm-hmm. way but uh i would definitely say um the, the later on in the series or in this show as it goes along uh it get, it picks up rapidly and uh, again also kind of depending on what we're talking about like if we're talking about you know food or something <laughs> stupid or silly or some general opinion piece or asking the listener for their opinions like ask us anything things like that then obviously the inbox will fill up a lot quicker than if we're just you know, going over some box scores or something. Right. Okay. And, I, you know, obviously, you know, we're all on Twitter. We, we see kind of fan reactions and stuff. Obviously, my my Twitter is kind of just limited to the kind of people I follow and interact with regularly. But you obviously, when you're, you know, moderating the text message inbox, you obviously have, you know, fans with uh, all sorts of opinions, I'm sure, kind of texting in. In terms of, uh, like, a general feel from the fan base uh, this season, you know, anytime, anytime you guys talk Canucks, what has the what's the, what's your kind of feel that people feel about this management right now? Like, uh, I, I'm sure things have kind of changed since the Miller contract, but generally, like, uh, are people pretty? Would you say fans are excited about this season? Are they upset? Are they nervous? Something in between? What what's kind of what do you say the majority of of your listenership kind of feels right now? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's a mix. Uh, I mean, I think up until the Miller deal, fans were getting a bit impatient mm-hmm. with current management is probably my best way I could describe it, just because a whole lot hadn't really happened. I mean, obviously, they had, there's a lot of cap constraints and things they just couldn't do based on the mess they were kind of left with and inherited from the Benning regime. So mm-hmm. uh, people, I think people generally understood that their hands were kind of tied in some ways, but obviously there was some impatience, like, okay, you guys going to make some big moves of what's happening. And then when the Miller deal went through, obviously it was polarizing. Like I was in the camp thinking they should have traded him probably at the deadline last year to get the max value. But I under—I can't speak for everyone, but I understand that, you know, the, the, the market for him probably just wasn't there mm-hmm. as what we were hoping it would have been anyways. And that's why you saw that deal come through. And now with that said, I mean, I think most people probably are genuinely pretty happy that he's back overall because he's such a good player it's not like you're re-signing a dud i mean he was your mm-hmm. best player last year arguably next to maybe demko so um, i think most people are pretty happy that like miller's back and what the management did with that deal and uh, the dollar value seems fair for who, what he is the term of course is risky but we most people knew that going in like if you're going to re-sign the guy it is going to be a long deal and that's the risk the inherent risk right is will he right. perform as well in the second half of his contract as the first half most people are savvy enough to know that going in. And so I, I think in general, after the Miller deal, the, the, the vibe I'm getting is most people are, are, if not over the moon, stoked with the new management. They're mm-hmm. at least ready to give them more time and they're happy right. with what's happened based on the constraints that we've talked about, mm-hmm. the cap constraints and just the lack of market for Miller. Also probably due to just a lot of teams not having money to afford mm-hmm. them and shit like that. So um, I think generally people are, are, are if not they're at least understanding and more or less happy and uh, are excited for the upcoming season because I mean it looks mm-hmm. the, the team looks good or looks like it could be good obviously the defense is still a question yeah. mark in, in terms of its depth uh, but defense aside I think people are genuinely pretty excited for what's coming up and uh, you know I think the team is going to be good enough to hopefully challenge for a playoff spot and probably make it into the postseason we'll see I guess but mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this isn't going to be, I think, uh, as painful a year as it as it had been in previous years that we kind of gotten used to. So there's a bit more positivity around the team right now. Is my yeah. long answer. 
So obviously, you know, you kind of just touched on it at the end of your answer there that, you know, this team has the ability to maybe squeak into the playoffs. Uh, we've obviously had a bit of debate on our own show here. Uh, what would be your personal expectations for the Canucks this year? Is it win a round, win two rounds, you know, just make the playoffs? What, what would your thoughts be on that? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy if they made the playoffs. Obviously, it'd be a great if they could win a round. I mean, it just really depends on the matchup. I mean, I, I, I don't really know what to expect. To be honest, I think they'll make it, but I'm not like 100% sold on it. Like they may be sort of battling for that that final spot again. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I think they are good enough this year to make it, and I, I think their offensive strength plus Demko will will overcome their their defensive shortcomings. Now, of course, you know all they are there are a few key injuries away from the season <laughs> unraveling, right? But I mean, you could say that about anything, yeah, really. Yeah. Most teams. I mean, any team that doesn't have the depth of a cup contender will have those issues in the cup. The Canucks are no exception. So there are a few bad injuries away from the season derailing, but I think ultimately they're probably good enough to make the playoffs. Can they win around? I guess it just depends on the matchup. I don't know, but uh, I think the goal should be to win at least one round this year. That, that would be nice. Because, I mean, they're going all in. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, they're not this, – this regime doesn't seem to want to rebuild. Like, they're like, okay, this is like we got our core group of players – we still have some shortcomings, but we recognize we have to take advantage of our core in their prime for the next however many years that is. I mean, most people seem to go off of Demko's contract. You know, can you win a cup within Demko's contract? That that should be the goal, and uh, they're not close to it now. But, I mean, like, that seems to be where the the what the management is focusing on. Uh, can they do it? Who knows? But, I mean, that that's, you know, this isn't a rebuild anymore. This is a team that expects to make the playoffs and hopefully win a at least one round. You kind of touched on this, but it, if you had to pick one thing that the Canucks season hinges on here, to, what, this is going to make make or break the Canucks season. Who is that? What is that? What is it, what's like the key factor you're looking at for at this team? It could be you know a certain player uh, or you know a group of players that you're looking at. What does this the success of the season depend on for the Canucks? I don't know if there's any one thing. Like, how will the team respond under a full year of Boudreaux? Was last year a, a sort of a uh, – was it a one-off? Or do they actually have this thing with Boudreaux where they just seem to play well above their strengths in a lot of ways? Like, the decor under Boudreaux was playing way better than, than one would have expected that decor to play. Uh, things like that. So, I mean, like, is, was that just like a one-off, like, weird – sort of a hype because he was the new coach taking over halfway through the season or is there something tangible there like are they really has Boudreaux really unlocked this thing inside the team in the locker room that's able to make them play above and beyond what they're capable of so that's one question mark I have can Boudreaux carry on what he's the success that he had last year another one of course is Demko I mean he'll have to seal a bunch of games again can he do that uh will his play continue to accelerate will he continue to be hopefully a Vezina candidate goalie um or, or does he regress a little or, 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 you know, what's going on? What's going to happen with Demko? I mean, that's, that's a question mark. I mean, I, I'm pretty certain he'll have a great year again, but uh, so much of the season will hinge on how he plays just based on the, the lack of defense that they provide him. Uh, another one, of course, is Pedersen. We talked about this on the show the other day. Can he be consistently elite? Because he hasn't been yet. I mean, he's been elite sometimes, yeah. but there's been other times where he's been invisible and he just hasn't had the consistency. And, yes, he's still incredibly young. He has the weight of the world on his shoulders and uh, sometimes to his detriment. Um, so how does he respond to that? Like, can Pedersen finally become this elite superstar player that he has the ability to be and carry the team every single night without fail? And obviously, if he can do that, that's, the team changes. The makeup of the team completely changes if he can do that. So uh, how does Quinn Hughes continue to develop? Will Bester and Horvat have strong years again? How does Miller perform? Uh, continuing not, not just this year but into the future with his new contract uh, does their D play better than it should like how does the defense look it's because I mean on paper it doesn't look great so can they continue their success they had with Boudreau last year and play above their ability I mean you know a bunch of different things like I, I don't know if I can say one specific thing I mean I guess if I had a gun in my head and I had to pick one thing it would probably just be Demko uh, but I don't think it's fair to just lay it all on him. Like there's there's a whole bunch of factors that come into play. I think. No, yeah, definitely. That you you outlined a lot of those things that you know the media and the fans and Cox Twitter have been discussing for for months. It seems like so, um, but yeah, that, I think Demko it's a pretty huge one in terms of Hughes and Pedersen. This Hughes especially <clears throat> Quinn Hughes has been pretty. 
I don't think you can question the consistency issues with Quinn Hughes that you the same ones that you had with Patterson. You know what I mean? He's been pretty consistent since he's got to Vancouver. Pretty consistently been the best defenseman on the team um, by a pretty fair margin. How much mm-hmm. of a step can can Quinn Hughes take, or what is it reasonable to expect? Because I would say qualify him as already reaching a number one defenseman level in the NHL. Is he going to be like an elite number one, like a Kale McCarr or a Victor Hedman? He might never reach that level. But what do you, what do you think is a reasonable mm-hmm. expectation for you know how how far Quinn Hughes can go here? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he'll ever reach a McCarr or Hedman, but that doesn't mean he can't be a legit star number one defenseman, like top 10 D-man in the league. I think he has the full capabilities of being one of the 10 best defensemen in the NHL. And that's no mean feat. I mean, if you can do that, you're looking pretty. Because, I mean, there's that, that means there's only nine guys better to you at your position. So I think he fully has the capability of being that player. And you could argue that he might already be, at times anyways. Uh, but he hasn't reached his ceiling yet, I don't think. He is going to continue to get better over the next few years. So I don't know if I would necessarily say McCarr level because he's just such a unique kind of talent. Um, but, uh, like, a, yeah, a top 10, maybe even a top 5 defenseman someday. But uh, I'd say safely a top 10 defenseman in his career, I think, is where he'll probably, hopefully, uh, land up. Yeah, um, you obviously mentioned quite a few uh, you know, different issues and stuff with not not issues, kind of you know concerns, maybe things you're looking at for going to the team um, this coming season. Uh, you guys had a really interesting ask us anything that you guys all gave your thoughts on uh, on yesterday's show, where you guys talked about um, you know if you could add a player from each of the Canucks era, like '94 West Coast Express in 2011, you had to pick one mm-hmm. from each era, and you guys could add, and then you guys all kind of gave you know uh, slightly v- different variations of answers. Um, you know, all with uh, you know I think that you, cases can be made for all of them. Um, but the question Bruff kind of asked was, you know, do you got, would you guys, are you guys just going to hit the best guy available? Are you going to look at the current team needs for the Canucks? I guess if you're looking at the team needs of the Canucks right now, uh, you know, you'd be like, okay, I want to add like all defensemen or, you know, I want to focus on the blue line. Um, but I guess that assumption would kind of hinge on the fact that you think the Canucks up front right now are, are good enough to, you know, challenge for a Stanley Cup. Do you think that, or do you think a Stanley that, a Stanley Cup? Like, do you uh, think the they, they, looking only at the Canucks forwards? Do you think in the next two to three years you'd look at that forward core and be like, you know, you could have you know Horvat, Pedersen, Miller down the middle, and you know, you know, Besser, Garland, and as and, you know, Pod Cole yeah. as some sort of mix. Is that team good enough up front to to win the? Co- well, down the middle, they're set. I mean, mm-hmm. they have one of the deepest center is in the NHL now. I mean, like mm-hmm. Miller, Horvat, Pedersen is like, even when Pedersen isn't 100% on his game, those three as your main three centers is pretty fucking impressive. Like, yep. not a lot of team, not a lot of teams can match that. So that's, that's definitely a strength. As far as like a cup contending offense, a lot of guys will need to consistently develop well. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Bester is probably going to continue to play really well. Uh, but what what's Garland going to continue to be? What's going to happen with Pod Colson? What's Hoaglander going to be? What's Kuznetsov going to be? McKay? Like, there's a whole bunch of I don't knows right now. Yeah. So I don't think they're at the moment a, a cup contending offense. But you know, if every single player hits and goes develops very well, and they have a very, and all those guys they you know turn into these consistent point producers, then yeah, that's a pretty deep offensive group. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more size. At the bottom, I mean, I guess they got Lazar and they got uh, Dakota Joshua, and uh, but I don't know if he's going to make the team or not. But I mean, I guess they got a little bit bigger. But I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit tougher, a little bit harder, tougher to play against bottom yeah. fourth line because I mean that's something the Canucks 2011 team had did so well mm-hmm. was their fourth line was just an absolute nightmare to play yeah. against. So I wouldn't mind maybe seeing their fourth line get a bit tougher. I don't know how they do that or right. who they target for that, but and maybe it already is. Like I haven't seen those two guys they acquire play. Maybe Dakota Joshua and uh, Lazar are exactly that, and it was it's great. So I, you know, it, it might be a moot point sooner rather than later, but that's the only thing that comes to my mind. But I mean, I, I just I would need to see how all of these guys develop before I would say, yeah, cup contending offense for sure. But at the very least, they have a very good offensive group. But yeah, you just got to sort of see how it plays out. Right. I think. That, that your kind of last point there kind of leads to my next question though, because uh, there because you kind of mentioned the 2011 team and how well they kind of fit together, and obviously that team you know was was full of you know super super talented players you know some of the best players in their position, but it wasn't just the fact that those players were all individually great. It was the fact that uh, the stylistic fit between a lot of the players kind of worked perfectly. You know you had a, a really elite offensive first line center and your second line center was uh, you know a two way like defensive stalwart and you had. A great, uh, you know, a great checking line and a super physical fourth line, as you mentioned. 
you kind of look at the Canucks now. They have some, you know, some great players. You, you look at, you know, they're, they're centermen. You know, you look at Horvat, Miller, Patterson, you'd be like, hey, those are all great. But, you know, stylistic fits, I think there is some room for improvement on this team if you look at that. Like, I look at a guy like Garland. Individually, yeah, looks like a great player, but, you know, undersized. It seemed like he was kind of having trouble finding a spot in the lineup. You look at your centerman as well. Like, I could probably make the argument that your best defensive center right at this moment is probably Pedersen, even though he might be your most talented offensive one going forward. So the stylistic fits, to me, aren't aren't really there uh, as much as they I, I think they would be on, like, a team that is looking to challenge for a cup. Would you kind of agree with that? Or do you think that maybe they do have players that could kind of work? Like, do you think they have the pieces of the puzzle to fit things together kind of in a successful yeah, way? Yeah, well, you're saying, like, each each lineup had its own individual identity. Yeah. And, uh, whereas this team sort of blends together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the thing that separates this team from the 2011 team really is the depth. I mean, mm-hmm. the 2011 was just, they were so deep. Like, they could have, like, three guys injured and you know, they wouldn't miss a step in their offensive group. And same with their decor. I mean, it, they, they they played injured all the way through the playoffs, and, and, and it wasn't until the finals that the injuries finally cut off with them, and that was because they had, like, three-quarters of their lineup injured, right? So, yeah. I mean, they were, they were able to get all the way to the Stanley Cup finals with all those injuries, and that just speaks to the, the depth that team had. And this team just doesn't have that yet, right? As I said, they're, they're one or two key injuries away from the, the season going sideways. So... I think that's the biggest thing is they just don't quite have the depth yet. And that, a, lot, a lot of that is just the cap constraints. Again, what the mess that Rutherford was left. And, you know, you're one of the highest salary cap teams in the NHL and you're not a cup contender. So, I mean, that's not a good recipe for success when you have no money to spend and you're nowhere near the top of the, top of the league. So Rutherford obviously knew the challenge he had without well, Alvin as well when they were brought in seeing the, the, the cap constraints that they're under. And uh, I think that's the main reason you're not seeing a lot of moves and why the, that kind of depth hasn't been addressed yet. I think next offseason and the offseason after as sort of all these problem uh, problem contracts come off the books, uh, it'll change a lot. But, I mean, that, I would say that's more than even individual lineup identity. I would say that the thing that separates the two teams the most right now is that depth. But, again, I just... I wasn't expecting that to happen this year, just based on the fact that they have no money to play with. Uh, but, you know, hopefully next season, maybe even at the deadline, and then the season after that, that that's when they really start to build build around that uh, strong core group with adding adding some good depth pieces. And then with that depth, maybe at that point, they build a bit of more of an individual line identity. But that, that's kind of hard to say right now. Right, fair enough, for sure there. Um, one of the kind of last things I wanted to ask you before we, before we kind of wrapped it up here, um, you obviously before you uh, you know got the job at 650, you were uh, you, you were uh, hosting some uh, Twitter post game shows with uh, with elite elite there. Uh, I used to tune in uh, pretty regularly. Um, yeah. Do you think you I ever... was actually still I was still at Bell at that time, like after 10. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the building for another year, but I was working Sport Market on right, the right. 10 a.m. and and the Seahawks broadcast with the Moj. Right. Uh, so I was still technically in the building after 1040, <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously it wasn't a full time capacity right. like it was before uh that didn't start up until i got the 650 gig right um the thing is i I really enjoyed listening to you uh you know in a post-game environment obviously uh you know you've obviously got you know a lot you know more work on your hands being you know full-time at 650 these days when uh do you think you'd ever you know be do you think uh, you know somewhere down the line you're going to be you know on a post-game show or is that would that be something that you kind of want to look at in your next step of your career is that kind of what you want to be like you know maybe hosting Mm -hmm. a post-game show or or would you do anything like that I mean, it's, I would never, I can't say, never say never, but it's hard right now mm. with my current gig just because I'm up at 4.30 every morning. So, right. like, I'm usually, literally, like, right as the Canucks game ends, I'm in bed. <laughs> and even sometimes then it's just, like, if there's overtime and it's, like, going into 10 o'clock, I'm like, oh, fuck, come on, somebody <laughs> score. I got to go to sleep. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it's tough right now, like, with the kind of gig that I have because, I mean, pretty much the only Canucks games I'll be working, I think, will be probably the Saturday games, maybe the odd Friday uh, game, but uh, other than the Saturday games, uh, it doesn't really give me a chance to do a lot of that kind of stuff. So, uh, as of right now, no. I mean, just because of my morning show commitments. But hey, who knows? Way down the road, never say never. Right on, man. Well, I, I do hope. I'm like I said, super glad to have you back on the airwaves. It's been awesome listening to you uh, regularly again. Uh, Halford and Bruff feels, uh, you know, more normal when you when you are on there. So I'm really glad to have you back there. Um, yeah, final word of the interview always goes to our, our guest on this show. So 
if you have anything you want to promote, uh, you can tell the people where to find you on Twitter, anything like that. Uh, the floor is yours for the last few minutes here. Oh, yeah, I'm Andy Cole1984 on Twitter. If you don't follow me already, uh, I don't blame you, but if you <laughs> want to, that's where to f- you find me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess just tune into the show Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And if you can't catch the show live, make sure you podcast us. We're on Apple, Spotify, all the usual sets and setups. Just uh, search for Halford and Bruff. Awesome, Andy. Hey, well, uh, thanks a lot for t- uh, taking your time to be here on a Saturday with us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and you've been super generous with your time. So uh, thanks, thanks a lot for coming on. Oh, of course, man. Thank you guys for having me. It's yeah, a lot of fun. No worries. Thanks, Andy. All right. We are back. Uh, thanks to Andy Cole for taking the time to join us uh, this week. We really appreciate his time as well. Time some Andy do some work on this podcast. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, okay, uh, we will. Uh, we, we were just having a debate on the other side. We will not. We'll table the Henrik Steen versus Elias Patterson discussion because Ace is is too dense to have this discussion at this moment. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, I, we didn't have a quite the Alfred and Bruff guys had a question come in uh, ask us anything Friday. They had uh, if you could add a player from uh, like go back in time, airdrop three players on the Vancouver Canucks in the current iteration from previous generations. The rules are you can only take one player from 1994, one player from the West Coast Express era, and one player from the 2011 team. Jeff Brown. Who are your three players, and what is your thought process behind it? Jeff Brown, Matt Cook, and Victor Ruskovich. <laughs> I like that that size for the fourth line. <laughs> are you serious? No, obviously not. Okay, just making sure. Uh, who wants to go first? Go Should first. we all go like one year at a time and say who we're picking? And then, or, or sure, we... yeah, I don't mind that. I don't okay, mind so that. we'll start with 94. Really, 94, everyone's going to say the same thing. Three, yep. two, one. Pal- 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a no-brainer for me. He's the most talented player on that team by a long shot. I just want to say, if you, if you listen to this question and your initial thought was not Pavel Murray, you are obviously wrong. You're no, no. It. The only way you could think that is because if you're like, oh, we should upgrade the defense first. But the thing about picks. these teams is that Pavel Murray is so much better than the second guy. The second best guy on the 94 team, it's like not even a competition about who you should pick. No, Pavel Bure is so good, you could already have four Pavel Bure's in your and team. And you would and have, you have the option out of fifth, yes. you would still yes. take the fifth. You're airdropping McDavid onto your team. Yeah. You're dro- airdropping 94 card every day. Yeah. On your team? Yeah, Pavel Bure, no question about it. All right, okay. cool. Next for Air. Roscoe's Express? Yep. All right. 3 2 1, we're going to do No, no, no. No, I feel like not okay, everyone's saying the same thing, so now we're getting interesting. Uh, I'm still thinking about who I should do. I'm taking Jovanovski. I'll take Matthias Holland. Yeah, I'm between those. I'm, I'm between the two. Of I was those, between those two I'm as well. Two of those guys as well. But uh, you know, I feel like people kind of. No, oh, I'll let you make your pick first. Then before I say what I was gonna say. Yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll take Sammy Sallow, man. Oh, he was oh. not as prime as quite yet, but you know, if he develops, <laughs> if he develops the same way. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like people who've answered this question kind of you know sleep. And I'll tell him to get his injury history sorted out first. You know, Todd, okay. was Todd Bertuzzi in the mix for anyone? Marcus Naslin? You know, like like the, the West Coast forwards? Express era. I mean, no one took a guy off West Coast Express. Yeah, I mean, like two of the greatest forwards to play the game at that time. I mean, Bertuzzi. Imagine. And I mean, like, imagine, imagine prime Todd Bertuzzi playing with Elise uh, Patterson right now. I'm just saying, how many that? people have been foaming at the mouth here in Vancouver like recently for right, a guy like Todd Bertuzzi playing with Bertuzzi and Patterson? What everybody would be nothing new, nothing compared to Bertuzzi with Henrik Steen. It'd be nothing compared to Pedersen and Burry. Well, actually, now that I'm saying that, Henderson and Burry. Well, I'm picking Henderson for the 2011 team. Oh, is that your pick? Okay. Are we done for the Tefasco Express team? Yeah. So who did you take? Sam Zell. Sam Zell, okay. All right, and we're all just doing this because we want to go to the defense. We're not really taking best player first. Available. I feel like we were gonna. I thought you were gonna explain your thought process once you made like all three. Huh? I need a defenseman. Okay, okay, okay. Because go, we'll go to twenty eleven. Ace is gonna go with Henrik Sedin. I'm going with Henrik Sedin. Okay. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Let me. I'll take. I'm not take the most talented player in franchise history. All right, cool. I like that. I'll take Christian Ehrhoff. All right. I, or Dan Hamus. I can't. I'm gonna take yeah. Bxa. I think. Yeah. It can't be Bxa Castle for me. Okay. Cool. To be honest. All right. Well, my thought process for the combination of the three was like. Everyone who watches this Canucks team right now, anyone we've got on, any guests we've ever got on this podcast, the three of us, even Andy when, you know, he's back from Mexico, everyone says the Canucks defense is so bad. They need to rebuild their blue line. JT Miller is the only person we can trade to rebuild our blue line. And now if you just airdrop three players, I feel like it's in the description that you should pick all three defensemen. And like we said after the 94 pick, Pamela Burray is like the only exception to that rule because it's like I'm airdropping McDavid, so I don't really care. about And like Yurke Lume... 
like, come on now. <laughs> come on now, McDavid over here, Kaylouay. Yeah. So, like, the other two, I was like, you have to pick defensemen. I think Matthias Olin stylistically would be like the perfect partner for Quinn Hughes. I, I, I was more about just like just get let's get some of the best players on the other team here. That's what I was going with. Well, I'd take Sammy Salo then. I, I did need one defenseman, so I but I, but ninety four twenty eleven the most the best guy the on the team teams, was too yes, good for also, me to pass up. Okay, I like. I mean, Christian opinion, Airhoff, though. I mean, like also like if you rank best like I can see seasons, them arguing for BXL or, or Airhoff or uh, even like Hughes. Prime Alex Edler. <laughs> like. Prime Alex Edler is not 2011 even... Edler was different. 2011 Edler was yeah. different, though. 2011 Edler was right-handed to be the perfect part of Quinn Hughes. Yeah. My only other idea was, you know, maybe I want a center because there's no third line center. Well, if you're going center, then you're taking Henderson for sure. Grab uh, college vision Chris Tanner, but he'll, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll uh, roll into... I don't know why, why I did that. <laughs> that was... Go ahead, gonna roll past it. He'll roll into a, you know, he'll develop. He'll develop, yeah, yeah. Tanem, that's a good, good shout there. I develop. Twenty eleven Tanem's gonna use. develop. <laughs> yeah, we already know they work well together. Got the younger version of Tanem before all these okay. problems. Stylistically, I feel like Ryan Kessler is like also. No, no. if you're going center, Henderson oh, you're just the defending answer. Ryan Kessler to the death off air. And now you're like no chance. If you're going He's center, why? Would, if you're going center, why? If you're going center, why? If you are co- taking, if on? you are taking a center, why would you not pick the best center? Now just the the why would you not? Pick we just the... talked about stylistic fit with Andy on the. Henderson was a perfectly good two-way player, but he's left-handed. And Ryan Kessler won the Selkie Trophy. Right? Uh, Henderson didn't kill penalties. Uh, Henderson could kill penalties. Henderson sure. definitely could kill a penalty if you asked him to. And it's not like you didn't have center. You're, you're taking away Daniel. His running mate is gone. You know who knows? Maybe. Oh, I'm sure Burry and him will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, who knows? Maybe Ryan Kessler's. Uh, Okay, but uh, if you listen to Half on Bluff, you probably had your thoughts about this already. But uh, yeah, send them us on Twitter. What do you think? Are we stupid? Agree with us? You're Sorry. stupid. You could be the stupidest people. Okay, okay, relax. Okay, <laughs> relax. People, tell us what you think. Is JT Miller better than Ryan Kessler last year? Also, well, last yeah, we year JT Miller better. We than put the poll out for Ryan Kessler. Put the poll. We put the poll. We'll discuss it next we week. We put when the poll the... out there. There was a big fight about this. We'll, we'll, no, we'll, we'll discuss, discuss the results next, next week yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll discuss. We'll discuss. Uh, yeah, hopefully, right. Andy will be back by then. But yeah, hopefully he's back from whatever he's up to. Uh, all right, Ace, give me the give me the give me the soundtrack there. Best bet time, baby. Uh, all right, uh, best bets of the CSWC team brought to you by Bet Nine Nine, the official sports book of the Area Fifty One Sports Network. Using the link on the Area Fifty One Sports website, you get up to a six hundred dollar bet match on your first deposit. That's the highest in Canada, of course. Uh, that's all linked in the show description if you want to access it from there as well. So uh, get out there, go to Bet99, get your $600 right now, go do it, stop the podcast, stop the podcast, go to Bet99, get $600, they're printing money over there, alright, <laughs> alright, it's hard times, go get your money. <laughs> alright, who's saying you want to go first? Uh, yeah, so what, what lines you guys got, people? As course, course, these lines all courtesy Bet99, as always. Alright, so, you guys stick with it, week three, Thursday night football, the Steelers are rolling into Cleveland, give me the Steelers on the money line, plus 140, I just... I don't like the the Browns at all this year. I, I can't even believe that they're favored to win this game. So, and I mean, the Steelers defense. The crew. Steelers defense has been monstrous. Obviously, I have I don't know what happened in week two, but I no TJ Watt though. I'm starting them yeah. in my fantasy lineup against the Patriots. So you best believe that the Steelers defense will have back to back booming weeks and make it three in a row against the uh, Browns. All right, I'm gonna lock it in there. All right, give me the Philadelphia Eagles to cover the spread minus three points. Uh, that's plus paying out plus one hundred. Against Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night that's Football. A, that's a nice one. Nice. Uh, I will also stick money line here. I'm going to grab the Green Bay Packers over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the money line. You get them at plus 150 right now. Uh, Green Bay had a tough first week last week. Bounced back big time. I still believe big believers in the Packers and the NFC this year. I think they have a shot to be one of the best teams. Um, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go out and prove it. I think every time someone, every people say this guy's washed, today, he comes out and, and balls out. So I think Andy's going to like that one. Hopefully I'm right for his sake. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to another week, everyone. Find us on all your major podcasting platforms. Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I told you how this. Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you get your podcast, just look up Caspace with Cups. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caspace Cups. We're super interactive, so check us out. If you don't listen on Apple iTunes, please go to Apple iTunes and leave us a five-star review because I'm a five-star man. It really helps with the show. Uh, also, go check out all the other great content on the air if you want sports network. Point Shot Hockey, Canucks Mafia, the Third Line Podcast, Terminal City UFC, UFO Show, Fans Lab, and Fantastic Writing. It is your home for Vancouver sports content. And that's all we got for this week's episode. Talk to you all next week. Vancouver selects from the University of Michigan 
Quinn Hughes. I'm from Timra. Elias Peterson. From Waterloo of the USHL, Brock Besser. From the London Knights of the Canadian Hockey League, Bo Horvath. To the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for JT Miller. Dr. Demko with an amazing 43 save performance says let's play game six. Ladies and gentlemen, please make some noise and welcome the 14th captain of your Vancouver.